Thank you for listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. We're starting a new series this month entitled, Who's Your Neighbor? Who is your neighbor? And I just want to warn you uh, off the top uh, that it's probably going to be uh, a little bit sensitive and, and, and it's going to touch some spots and there might even be some tension in the room. Uh, but I want you to embrace that as we look into scripture uh, and understand uh, who Jesus, through his teachings, is telling us our neighbor is. Spoiler alert, it's everybody. Uh, but I want, I want you to be able to uh, kind of follow along in a narrative that is very, very uh, familiar to a lot of people, uh, but there's some context to it that I want you to have, uh, and so I think it's going to be fun this morning. So uh, the title of this sermon, the, the first uh, message in this series is Love God, Love People. Love God, Love People. But there is uh, this, this, this context that I want you to see. Uh, it's very, very interesting. A, a lot of people don't connect these two things, uh, but once you see it, you're going to be like, this is there? It is. Uh, Gospel according to St. Luke chapter number 10, starting at the 25th verse. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, and all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this, and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and with wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor? To the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes. Now go and do the same. That's good stuff. Love God, love people. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to love God and people. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to dive right into this because there's so much here. It's just really juicy. Uh, Jesus has been uh, disrupting the religious atmosphere uh, in every city 
that he's going into. Every time he goes into a city, he is doing some great deeds for people that are disenfranchised and sick and poor and, 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 and just being nice to others that don't even seem uh, to warrant uh, uh, such generosity. And the only people that really have a problem with him are religious people. Every city he went to, they were just upset with him because he was doing stuff that didn't fit in their box and in the Mosaic law that had been written for them that they had been practicing, rehearsing, and memorizing for literally thousands of years. As he comes uh, to this day, Scripture says that a religious expert came up to him and said, I want to ask you a question. How am I supposed to secure or, or get eternal life. Now, I want you to understand this because a lot of times when we see the word religious expert, uh, uh, we don't have a real good context of it. A religious expert in this context was basically the equivalent to a lawyer. It wasn't just a person that went to church that liked the Bible a lot. Uh, it, it was a, a person that was considered somebody that was well versed in the Torah, understood the context of the Old Testament, and basically debated anybody uh, who did not see the scriptures like they saw the scriptures. This person was akin to a legal professional. So when he asked the question, he already had an answer in his head. You ever dealt with somebody like that? They asked you a question, but they already kind of already knew where they wanted to go. Uh, with the information. So you can tell because there's a little bit of sauce in their tone when they ask the question. So, did you like Galaxy of the Guardians too? Well, based on your tone, I can already tell you don't. So, what am I going to say? He, he says, hey, what do I have to do to uh, receive eternal life? I love Jesus' response. Jesus' response is, hey, well, why don't you tell me how you see it? You're asking me the question. Why don't you tell me how you interpret it, lawyer? Since you're the legal dude in the room, why don't you tell me how you interpret it? And he says, well, uh, we're supposed to love God with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul and all of our strength. And we are to love our neighbor as Ourself. Now, this is very, very interesting because he's talking about securing eternal life, but he actually pieces two Old Testament scriptures together. There's not one verse. He first quotes the Shema, a portion of the Shema, which is uh, uh, Deuteronomy 6, uh, verses 4 through 9. He quotes passage 5, verse 5, and he says, we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. But then he adds Leviticus 19 and 18. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus hears this man's answer and goes, right. It's exactly right. If you do that, you'll live. And this word for live is you, you, you will really be alive. If you really love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, and all of your strength, you will really be living the life you were called to live. And if you love your neighbor as yourself, it just gets even more enjoyable. Because really, it doesn't mean that there's going to be people that you don't have problems with or opposition against. But because of the first thing, the second thing becomes something you can do. We're not talking about loving people out of our own 
emotional wealth of happiness and generosity. We're talking about an overflow because of a relationship with God that makes it easy to deal with people. And not just the kind of people you like, people you don't like. Anybody got anybody in here beside me that you already got volunteers? If you just don't, <laughs> people are like, yes. <laughs> he says, hey, if you do that, you will live. And the lawyer kind of squints his eyes because he, he's running his little legal reference in his head. And he goes, who is my neighbor? I, I want to make sure we're on the same page here. Because when I quote Deuteronomy 6 and 5, the context to neighbor is a fellow Israelite. So when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, what he's meaning to say is, other people like me. And I want to make sure that you are saying the same thing I'm saying, so who is my neighbor, and this is where Jesus sets it off. That's why you have to have it in context, because if you just think that it's just the Good Samaritan and you don't connect it to the previous question, it just seems like it comes out of nowhere, like, hey, Jesus just wanted to give a nice story this day. Oh, no. Jesus threw a grenade in the room. <laughs> Jesus says, okay, there's a Jewish man who's coming from Jerusalem down to uh, Judea. Now, no, I'm sorry, down to Jordan. Now, now here's the thing. Uh, there is a 3,300-foot descent in altitude from Jerusalem down to Jordan. My wife and I were in uh, Israel in, in 2015, and uh, I don't know if we could have been Jesus' disciples. Because we was tired from the bus ride. <laughs> and if you're telling me Jesus was walking all of these different places, I am literally going, <laughs> you know what, Jesus, do you have Instagram or can I follow you another way? This is a 3,300-foot descent, over 1,000 meters that this guy has to go from Jerusalem down to Jordan, and they were littered. This, because it was so vast, it was littered with bandits, people that would just try to take advantage and rob you. And one day, this Jewish man gets pummeled and left for half dead on the side of the road. Jesus is setting up a, a brilliant story here. This guy is half dead on the side of the road, and, and out of all the people he could have used, he could have said, hey, there was a tax collector who came, or there was a guy who worked in IT who came, there was a guy who was in oil and gas who came. There was a rich Roman centurion who came. No, he says a priest came. A senior pastor happened to be walking down the street. On the same day, this dude got the snot kicked out of him. And he says, uh, the, the, the senior pastor looked at him. But because he had to get to his church service that started at 10 o'clock, 
he got on the other side of the road and kept walking. Now, here, here's the thing that baffles me. I read a commentary, and one of the commentaries said, well, uh, the high priest, I was like, I was like kind of questioning the commentator, like, are you trying to justify the guy's actions? Well, a high priest could not touch a dead body. It would make him ceremonially unclean, and he couldn't go into the place of worship. And I was like, yeah, 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 I understand that. But <laughs> I'm arguing with the commentator, like he can hear me. Uh, but he's, he's not dead. He's half dead, which means he's also half alive. Consider how many people don't want to deal with people's issues because they only look at the half dead side and not the side that's still alive. He walked to the other side. He kept walking. <laughs> and then Jesus rubs it in and he goes, then a temple assistant, a co-pastor. <laughs> like... <laughs> He didn't go like a regular Jewish guy after like like he just go uh, the, like so the number two of the church came and this guy walks up to him mm -mm. and walked away, which is actually worse than the first guy, because you got close enough to see it and still wouldn't do anything about it. That sounds a lot like religion. They get close enough to see what the situation is, and then they go, mm -mm, I can't touch that. That's just weird. This is where the gr grenade gets pulled, and he throws it in the middle of the room. And it's a frag grenade. So it's not just an explosion. There's, like, chunks coming out of it that mean to rip into all of the rel religiosity for everybody within an earshot range of where Jesus is speaking. He goes, a despised Samaritan. Literally, okay, that means nothing to you. But real time, first audience would have literally went, <gasps> what? <laughs> Out of all the people, a Samaritan? It, it would be the equivalent of being in, like, you know, we're in cowboy country. And so he'd be like, hey, uh, there was a cowboy, Dak got beat up, left on the side of the road, and Jerry Jones didn't do nothing about it. <laughs> Tony Romo definitely didn't do nothing about it. And then a Washington Redskin came. <laughs> like, it's that kind of, it's that volatile. Booyah! He just blew up the spot. Like, it was inco incoherent for him to think and even use this person as an illustration because Jews hated Samaritans. I had to look into this. It was absolutely intriguing. Why? Why did y'all hate them so much? But I found out historically that uh, when Assyria overtook uh, the region of, of Israel, uh, when they colonized it, uh, all of the Israelites that lived there, they wind up intermarrying those Israelites in the region of Samaria. So all, you had all of these half Assyrian, half Israelis, and they just called them Samaritans. I didn't know you guys. They're, they're mixed up. They, they were basically biracial. I can't deal with it. 
I wonder what Jesus would have used to ruffle our feathers in 2017. Because you know Jesus likes to set it off. I don't know if you've noticed this about him, but pretty much everywhere he went, he kind of set it off. It would be just like Jesus say a guy gets beat up and then Hillary came <laughs> to help. The guy got beat up, Trump came to help. A guy got beat up, left for dead, no church people did anything. A transgender showed up to help. The guy got beat up, left for dead, everybody went to church. And so a gay person, a lesbian, bisexual, whatever their letters are now, they showed up. And it would, it would just rip, and I love Jesus, straight face, just throws it out there. We'll just let y'all deal with that. See how everybody responds. He goes, the, the guy shows up. He takes his own oil, his own wine, and starts nursing the wounds on the spot. This same despised Samaritan then puts the guy, scripture is clear, on his own donkey. Takes him to an inn and pays up the money for a few nights. And then tells the innkeeper, hey, if this is not enough, when I come back in, I'll settle the debt. Just keep him here until he's feeling better. He says, now, based on everything I just said, which, which one do you think was the neighbor? Can you imagine the man, all his religiosity choking him? He's going to make this man say, that the Samaritan is the neighbor. Like, Jesus just won't let up. It's almost petty. It's like, <laughs> like, it's almost like Jesus is like, mm-hmm. Now, which one do you think? <laughs> like, it's, it's close to a dot-com. And so he, he just leaves it out there, and the guy kind of choking goes, who showed him mercy. He couldn't even say the name. <laughs> he didn't say the Samaritan. He just, uh, 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 um, I guess the one, the one who showed him mercy. And he goes, good. Now go and do the same, which is actually worse. Because now you told him to go be a Samaritan. It's so Jesus after? What, what is he after in him that he's after in us? When I consider this particular text, what I realize is that we all have some people group we despise. It may not even be at a conscious level. It may be subconscious. It may be a way that you were raised, it may be a way that you were taught, it may be a way that you've been conditioned, it may be the news outlet you listen to. 
But something is shaping you in our culture to despise people. You have to understand that, that the spirit of division has a lot of names. The prevalent one in this country is racism. But the, if you're a believer, you have to bring your mindset higher and understand it's just the spirit of division. Going by any name it can to split you up from being nice to people. And you would think, well, we're all believers, and so we're in church, and so we don't have that problem. Yeah, we do. There are actually people that I meet and know personally that love Jesus and actually tell me they are not people. They are not people persons. How? Like, how? You're a people. Do you even like you? It's a life of literacy, you know how I deal with it. How, how are we supposed to deal with that? I'm glad you asked. Because I have three points, as you probably know. Here's what I want you to write down. Three byproducts of loving God that benefit people. Three byproducts of loving God that benefit people. Listen. You won't love people if you don't love God. And I'm not talking about, oh, he's somewhere up there. I just kind of love him. I'm talking about you love him enough to come get you. Let, let, let me go a little deeper with that. You love him enough to come gut you out. To come for the stuff on the inside of you that blocks you from genuinely loving people who you would normally despise. Dr. Exum talked about it earlier that there are people in our own families that if it's not for the love of God, we would despise. Let them speak. It has to happen in us, regardless of if it happens in them. Or you will be in bondage for the rest of your life. Remember what he tells the uh, uh, religious expert. He goes, hey, if you do this, you will live. You will actually enjoy life. But if you cannot do these two things, you will live life. You just will not enjoy it. God. And instead of coming in here and preaching a sermon about, hey, God wants you to live life to the fullest and he wants you to live abundantly and he wants to bless you so that you can prosper. It will not happen if you cannot love people. So there's no sense in you sowing a seed and getting a million dollars and then you still mad at everybody that you meet. No sense having a Gucci bag and some coach loafers and a Lamborghini and you won't pick up the bloodied person in the street because you're racing to church. 
you don't love God, you will not love people. Three byproducts of loving God that benefit people. Point number one, we become friendly. A byproduct of loving God that will benefit people is that you become friendly. When God starts really washing you through and through, you start getting nice. It's a byproduct of being free. When I meet people that are not nice, I know they're not free. Not bound, but not free. You ever seen somebody come out of the restroom with the toilet tissue stuck to the heel of their shoe? They're not totally free from where they came from. Now, if that's not an example from heaven, I don't know what is. That is Jesus' revelation right there. It's so basic. You're not in bondage because you can move around. But you still have evidence of where you've been. So you probably, I'm just saying, you might not all the way be free. We become friendly, Proverbs. (laughs) Proverbs 11 and 30 says this, the seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. The seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. When you love God, you just start doing good deeds. It becomes a tree of life. And a wise person wins friends. I don't know many mean people that win a lot of friends. Just haven't seen it. We become friendly. Here's what it says in Proverbs 16 and 7. When people's lives please the Lord, even their enemies are at peace with them. When you love God, it's hard for your enemies to really be like real enemies to you because you disrupt them so much with your love. Proverbs 25 talks about heaping hot coals on people's head uh, uh, and, and the Lord will reward you for them. That's a great scripture for me because I can burn your scalp and God will reward me for singeing your hair. It's fantastic. Your enemies won't even really be enemies to you. Because you become friendly. Point number two, write this down. We become faithful. When we love God, the benefit that it has to people is that we become faithful, not just to God, but to the teachings of Jesus. Here's what it says. Uh, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. I can recognize a disciple of Jesus Christ by how closely they endeavor to stick to Jesus's teaching, even when it goes against their feelings. I have never met a disciple of Jesus Christ that didn't disagree with something Jesus told him or her to do. But because they decided to do it anyway, that's how I know they're a disciple of Jesus. When I meet people that have boundaries, yeah, I'm saved up into a point. That's the point to where the enemy is going to fight you the most because you've told him where your spot is. So he will place all launch coordinates on that one spot. 
But when we remain faithful to the teachings, it, it, it makes us go back and do something so that we can continue to outpour the love that we should on others. I love the clip that we're showing of Revive Texas. If I'm not mistaken, uh, Stephen, uh, was, it, was it 800 in the first week? Okay, so in two weeks, almost 1,000 people have given their life to Jesus Christ. In two weeks? And you saw some of the clips of it. The lady is up there, like, people, I got all these tats, and people think I'm weird. And these people are just praying and going, God, where should we go? And here's what the Lord's saying. To her. Go straight over to her. <laughs> go give her a hug, tell you that you love her, and just show that love and that friendliness. This is not a scorecard. People are giving their life to Jesus because the Holy Spirit's bringing them to Jesus. But many more people are getting the lie out of their head that the enemy's placed there that church people are hypocrites and they don't care and they're judgmental. And then you come out of the liquor store and they're like, hi, need any prayer today? And they're like, well, I was about to drown it in this Hennessy. <laughs> and I still might, but I'll take the prayer. Guess what's happening? At the end of the day, that person can't go back home and say, all church people are this. <laughs> what are you going to allow them to do through you? Are you even available? Are you not giving yourself permission because you despise people. Take inventory of your heart. What group do you despise? Who in your life is the enemy setting you up to despise? Because I promise you, if you do not resolve that issue in your heart, the enemy will make sure that person or those people Continue to be what keep you from living life to the fullest. I have uh, three aunts uh, that are lesbians. One of them, well, all of them are incredibly loving, uh, but, but one of them had an anointing on her life to... Uh, endure my storytelling as a child uh, with my comic books that I wrote. Now, I wasn't a great illustrator, but my storytelling was on point. Okay, so I'm talking 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. She's over at the house, and I'm, I mean, I have thick, my parents will tell you, I have thick comic book. I like, I did novels. I didn't do like comic strips. Like, here's one scene, here's one scene, the end. Mine were like scene two. So then, She encouraged me. She, oh, you're the greatest drawer, and I love your stories. And she would tell my dad, this boy is a genius. Then we found out 10, 15 years later, she's in a relationship with another woman. That, I don't despise my aunt. I love her. I love all my aunts. It, it, if I allow the religious perspective to seep in, I'll only love other people that are believers like me. I didn't say I agreed with her lifestyle. What I said is I don't despise her, and I love her, and I can have a conversation with her, 
without it ending in, well, you know, you know, you know where you're headed if you don't get your life right. What? I don't know how the Lord's going to deal with them. But here's one thing I can do that they don't even have to know about, and this is not even something that's up for debate. I can pray for you. Ooh, I can pray for you without you even knowing. I can put a whole host of angels on you. <laughs> I never have to get in an argument with you. We can disagree. I'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got you, though. <laughs> Father God, in the name of Jesus, you do. I can go do it. Because I'm faithful to his teachings. I want to be faithful to loving others. Point number three, then we're done. Recap real quick, nerds rule the world. Point number one, louder. Thank you. Point number two, thank you. Point number three, write it down. We become fearless. Three byproducts of loving God that benefit people. We become friendly. We become faithful. We become Fearless. Here's what it says. Psalms 112, starting at the first verse. It says, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Light shines in the darkness for the godly. They are generous, compassionate, and righteous. Good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. Such people will not be overcome by evil. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. The wicked will see this and be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away and their hopes are thwarted. Not because we got some picket signs and protested the movement, but because of our generosity and our good works and our love for others, the wicked become infuriated when we're nice. Love God, love people. I, 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 want, I want us to become fearless in our faith. Not, not belligerent, fearless. But this is where I stand. And you might not agree with it. I understand. We don't have to agree. That's fine. But this is where I stand. And I'm not moving from this spot. But that doesn't mean I don't love you. Come, come. I want to give you a hug. I want to have a conversation. I want to, I, I, I want to uh, treat you to lunch. Doesn't mean that I agree. But here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to leave you on the side of the road bleeding. Life is too hard already for the body of Christ to walk by people who are broken, hurting, in pain, emotionally, spiritually, physically, psychologically. We can't do it. If we don't love people, we probably have a hard time receiving love from God. 
Because hurt people hurt people. And free people free people. Who do you despise? Some of us in this room, it's ourselves. You, hard, you have a hard time forgiving yourself something you've done in the past. Maybe there's some consequences that you're facing as a result of it, and you've had a hard time forgiving yourself. You, just, you despise you. It could be somebody in the family. It could be a spouse. It could be an ex. It could be other church people. It could be the church. I want that question to be answered, but that's not the question I want to leave you with. The question I want to leave you with is who do you love? Because if you love God, you'll love people. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.